The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a growing network of people who believe the center of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ, and that learning to take love seriously is vital for how we practice discipleship, mission, and leadership. The Gravity Leadership Podcast explores, in practical ways, how to root our lives and our leadership in this love that holds all of us and everything together. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Ben Sternke. I'm here with uh, Matt Tebby, mm-hmm. regular co-host of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. And we're also here with Christy Penley. Hey, guys. Uh, who, this is the announce. the spoiler alert, uh, is that Christy's going to become a new co-host of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. We'll talk yes. about that here in just a second, talk with Christy about that. But I wanted to start mm-hmm. us off today with a joke, everybody. <laughs> you guys ready for a joke? I can't wait. I don't yeah. know. This feels like yeah. a trap. No, 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 it's not a trap. I have a bunch You've of elementary. Joke, I, think, I have so. a bunch of elementary kids, and they tell me jokes a lot. So I'm, okay. I'm the bar is pretty high right now. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, the, mm-hmm. they're they are. I happen to know that elementary kids are experts at jokes, and so I hope this one, uh, this one tickles me every once in a while. Anyway, I was thinking about this episode. I was thinking about Christy bringing you on as a co-host of the Gravity Leadership Podcast, and I remembered this joke. Do you guys know what a group of three white men is called? I do know this joke, so I'm going to stay quiet. I do not know what a group, a group of, three of three white, white men. men. The official name of a group of three white men is a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's funny because it's true. Um, if there's anything that uh, three three white guys getting together uh, can come up with, it's the, we should do a podcast about this. So anyway. Um, <laughs> All jokes aside, that uh, that has been the uh, Gravity Leadership Podcast uh, for a long time uh, as a group of three white men uh, interviewing people, uh, that kind of thing. But Christy, we're really uh, glad that you're coming on and being part of the team here uh, at the Gravity Leadership Podcast so that we mm-hmm. can no longer uh, just be a group of white guys. I'm um, excited to yeah. join you guys and to, <laughs> to be a part of this. This is going to be fun. 
Yes. Yes. But this yeah. is like the worst kept secret ever because you've already co-hosted some things and we just haven't made it official. And so, yeah, we want to yeah. make it official. This is making yeah. it official. This is making it official. And we, you have, you've already recorded several interviews um, with upcoming guests in our Power, Race, and Gender series. And so um, we just wanted to introduce people to, to you and to who you are. Uh, and uh, on all of that kind of stuff. And so I, I'm glad, I'm excited, Christy, because, um, you know, it's one thing to, it's one thing for Matt and I, for example, to interview somebody um, who is a person of color or woman mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, but it's another thing to have a woman um, sort of shaping the conversation and, and shaping how we have the conversation and kind of introducing that, um, that hosting aspect to, um, to our podcast. So I'm really uh, eager um, to... Uh, have you be part of the team and uh, mm. glad that you're doing it. So. Thank you. You know, I was just saying to someone the other day, um, Matt had actually left me a voicemail message after we had recorded one um, podcast. And, and I was telling a friend of mine, you know, I feel so encouraged and empowered by Ben and Matt. And mm. I'm excited to be a part of this because I do feel valued and loved and, and, um, you guys ask for my voice and I'm just really thankful for that and for this opportunity to be a part of this. So thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really, I'm really looking forward to it as well. Yeah. Um, we, and I, I'll say this, like you, you've known Matt for a long time, um, such that I don't know if this has come out in any of the interviews that you guys have already recorded. Um, so I'll be the first to, to mention this, but, um, uh, the, you guys have known each other since seminary, right? Right. A long time ago. And then there was a pet name uh, that got developed for Matt <laughs> that that your whole friend group called Matt. And, and you still, still do. do. I still yeah, do. You still do. Uh, yes. But it's a, little, uh, it's a little disconcerting sometimes when people hear it. <laughs> Super disconcerting to people yeah. who hear yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, wait, what just... Anyway, yeah. uh, so do I don't know if you guys want to share that. I can share yeah. it. But like, uh, yeah. So I, well, actually, I think it's your wife who started it. Like, well, yes. It, it was Sharon, and it was uh-huh. Pooch and Tooch, Pooch which and is Tooch. like, and so somehow Matt's, so Matt was Pooch and Sharon was Tooch. Yes, okay. and somehow Sharon's name didn't stick, and and no. Matt's name did. And honestly, <laughs> there are moments when I get on here to record a podcast, and I literally tell myself, "Do not say Pooch," because it is <laughs> like when I text him, it's like, "Hey Pooch, what's up?" And so uh, I really try to be like you know, ultra professional. Yeah. And, uh, we, we're and, very, we're nothing if not professional in this can podcast. I, it's it's going to happen. It's going to So thank you for it's bringing that up. Out. Then when yeah, it happens, th- it's now, be- now it's just normal. It's, a, it's fine. <laughs> if you ever just go back and listen to episode number, whatever this is, if you want an explanation of why Christy is calling Matt Pooch. Anyway. Well, yeah, it's so kind of cute. I kind of like it. It's funny because my, my wife called me Pooch in front of everybody and, and like, you know, all the dudes laughed. And then yeah. Christy and a couple other of the of the women were like, Pooch, I like Pooch, Pooch. And they started just saying it all the time. And then the guys started calling me Pooch, too. Uh, and here's the irony. Um, my wife probably hasn't called me Pooch in over 10 years. <laughs> but I think you're, you're the last holdout, call- Christy. Christy's well, and, the last holdout. Yeah, well, you know what my kids call you. Do you know they, what my kids call you? Pastor Pooch. They, they call him Pastor Pooch. Pastor and so Pooch. the other day Excellent. I said something about Matt and they were like, Who who's Matt? And I'm like, <laughs> you know, Pastor Pooch. And anyway, it's really funny because they the That's generation awesome. is gonna continue to call you that. Yeah, yeah. You're you're gonna single handedly uh, pass it on. Um well uh we're uh, we're going to introduce you more fully by um, playing uh, an episode of the Practitioner Podcast, which is our podcast that goes out to our Patreon supporters 
we recorded this with you last, Matt, um, and you recorded this last year for our Patreon supporters. Um, but we're going to release that as an introduction to who you are and kind of um, how you think and um, all of that kind of stuff because it was a really mm. good episode. Um, and that'll be kind of our longer introduction to you. But by way of shorter introduction, Christy, why don't you just introduce yourself a, a bit? Give us a feel for who you are and um, what you get up to. Yeah, mm. I am... Um Mary, happily married to my husband, almost 18 years. Uh, we have five kids. The three are biological and two are adopted. So we've walked through foster care and adoption. Um, we live in Colorado, and I am a family and children pastor here at an Anglican church in town and have been here for about, we've been here for 11 years, but I've been working at this church for five. Okay. And um, yeah, some fun random things is that I love college football. Oh, okay. uh, I love paint chalk. Like if you walk paint. through my house, yeah, you'll see like pieces of furniture painted with paint chalk. Listen, oh. the the women okay. who are listening to that totally know what that is. I'm sorry you <laughs> <Okay>. don't. <laughs> Next Christmas, guess what your gift is going to be? Something okay, paint all right. Chalk. Paint chalk. Um, I'm in. Yeah. So um, that's just a little bit about me. Um, yeah. And I'm in school. I don't think I mentioned that, but I am I in school. Think you did. Yeah. Um, getting my doctorate in ministry and it's it's uh, kicking my butt, man. It's, yeah. it's one of the hardest things. So, yeah. but good. We had a little conversation about that the other night. I remember that. Uh, yeah. You're trying to you're trying to nail down your thesis right now. Is that right? Yeah, I sure okay. am. And yeah. I think it's going to involve gravity leadership. And excited oh, for it's that. It's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited for that too. Get yeah. some research. But can anyway. I give Can I give a few more factoids about Christy? Yeah, give some factoids. Um, she's not kidding about loving college football. Um, she's not, um, Christy is, I mean, it's funny that she calls me pastor pooch. Like she, she is such a pastor. Christy Mm. is got a heart, the heart of God for people. And she's, um, I don't know. I, I feel like Christy, you're one of the two or three people in my life whose example I draw faith from it. Like I, I, like you are the person lowering me down through the roof some days. You don't even know it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now everybody does. <laughs> if you can call me Pooch, <laughs> I can embarrass you on podcasts. Um, and so uh, that's that's something that's amazing. And then also, too, you know, we've talked about, we've had done series on, like, um, men and women working alongside in the church before. And we've recently done a series on power and gender. But um, I, I'm, I'm really good friends with Christy's husband, Paul. Mm. And I am just as good of friends with Christy. And I don't know, Christy, I don't, you're like one of the two or three women in my life that I feel like has taught me how to be friends with women. Mm-hmm. Like you've taught me that because you've been such a good friend to me. And I didn't even know I needed that gift, but I did. I did desperately need it. Um, and so it seems, it sounds weird to thank somebody for their friendship. <laughs> You know, thank thank you for your friendship. It's Andy Bernard on the office, uh, but I, but I, uh, I really do appreciate your friendship, and not only from the relational uh, standpoint, but also what it's taught me. So thank you, thank yeah. you. There is I. Um, there are few people in my life that fewer people like you and Sharon specifically are, are the longevity of our friendship and what God has done like what he's taught me through my friendship with both of you is just been really beautiful and so valuable to me so mm. you're gonna make me cry but thank mm. you so much thank yeah. you thank you yeah 
and uh, just one other thing too. I'm gonna yeah. own, I'm gonna own this publicly to everyone because I've already said it to Christy. Hmm. Um, Gravity Leadership was started by three white dudes, and um, we couldn't really change that because we are uh, we we're born white dudes. Um, and uh, one of the things we've been wanting to do is uh, diversify uh, not only like culture, gender, race about how gravity is taking shape. Hmm. And it's it's um, we're really committed to not creating kind of like tokenism. Like we yeah. just need a woman on the podcast, or we right, just need a right. uh, we need a Latino or a Latina on the podcast. But rather, what does it look like for a white guy who's built a white space just because that's what he does, uh, and it's very masculine, you know? Um, you know, we tell jokes that are dumb and stuff like that. Um, uh, how do we? How do we? There's cre- no paint chalk. There's no paint chalk. There's no paint <laughs> we chalk. We talk here. about I, paint chalk, right? But we could. Yes. We could. I don't know. How do we invite people who aren't white dudes into this space in a way that Let's them change it. Yeah. And and I just want to own with you that we're committed to not having you just be the woman here. Yeah. One, two, that this space needs to and has to change because you're here, and I have no idea what that means, and it, and I can't predict what it will look like. Uh, and three, um, I've never done this before. Like I've never created a space that was a, a guy space and a white space and then invited somebody who I want to fully show up and not have to be like, well, I can't talk about furniture chalk. I'm sorry if that's not the right words. Uh, I can't talk about furniture chalk because uh, these guys won't get it. Like, you know, show up and demand that furniture chalk be acknowledged and, yes. you know, Ben and I then have to wrestle with that. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I'd, those three things are true. Mm-hmm. Um, Christy, I think I'm going to make mistakes. I already have playing one in the shower this morning something i said to you on a podcast i'm like that was so dumb um but we're gonna make mistakes but i feel like you know we have 20 plus we have 20 plus years of friendship that uh is that right 15 plus years of friendship that enables i think bears we can bear those mistakes together mm-hmm. uh in ways that i don't think other people could so uh thanks for trusting us and thanks for going for it with yeah. us thank yes. you i um I was a little nervous when you asked. I was nervous. I was like, mm. I'm not going to be good at this. I don't know like how to. And honestly, I mean, you'll probably hear as as I share on different podcasts, but there's some unfortunate, real yucky baggage um, with men in specifically um, in like Christian environments mm. where I haven't mm. been treated with empowerment or encouragement. And I can honestly say like, like I said before, I feel that from both of you in a way that is truly transformational, like really beautiful and good and and exciting. And even when I come with a little nervousness, um, that quickly goes away because I feel super loved and treasured and um, respected. So thank you guys so much for that and for this opportunity. I'm excited for it. Yeah, great. We're excited too. Um, one last thing to say about Christy is you guys can't see this. We're on a like a video call recording this, but every time Christy gets on a podcast, she has these bright pink headphones. I do uh, that she wears. That um, there, there's something interesting about like the combination of seeing your seeing your face. There's usually a smile there, and then these bright pink headphones. That's sort of like an instant like oh. 
Today's it's, not so bad, is it? It's the 13-year-old in me just coming right on out. I mean, yeah. might as well just eat so, some razzles and, and yeah. enjoy the day. Yeah. So pink had some, you did, did you paint those with paint chalk? Or did uh, yeah, those come know, pink? Yeah. You know, man, that's a, that's a new business, paint chalk headphones. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Well, anyway, so uh, I know you guys can't see that, but we're eager, uh, Christy, for your voice, for your pink headphones, for your paint chalk, uh, for uh, all of it. So, Thank yeah. you. All right. All right. Let's get into it. Well, eh? yes. Uh, here's this interview that we recorded oh. last year with Christy, right? Did oh, we yeah, say that. where uh, we, we recorded this for our Patreon community? Uh, yeah. We did. I just did some interviews with people that are in ministry, in life, learning about God, what's going on with them, and it, and Christy kind of gives an overview and introduction to who she is, what she's wrestling with, what she's dealing with, and mm-hmm. you know, she teaches us basically. Get ready yeah. to go to church. Get ready to go to church, and uh, Christy, uh, glad to have you on board. Thank you so much. Hey, Christy. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm, I'm pretty good. Let me think about that. How am I? <sighs> I'm pretty good. You know what? You know what happened to me this morning? Can I share this with you? Tell me. Tell me. All right. I put something up um, on Facebook. I'm uh, really active on Facebook. I put up this comment on Facebook just about that I'm reading in a book right now, and. Um, the comment was essentially about, let me just read you. It's really short. Okay. History vindicates the oppressed only years after the unpopularity of standing in the place of resistance has faded. Mm. And then I just said, don't wait for vindication. It's never popular to stand with the oppressed. Resist as though your love depended on it. Um. Mm. And uh, this this person who I know that lives in the same town as me, we're like, um, he's got a bunch of mutual friends and he lives in the same town. So I accepted his friendship, but um, he regularly comes on my page and is just like, you're a liberal idiot. Oh. And uh, why do you, why are you so negative all the time? Why are you so divisive? This, and he came on this morning was like, this isn't true. It's wrong. Uh, this is what the media wants you to think, but it's, it's just not right. And I said, I and I just said, I don't engage with you because you aren't, you you don't engage fairly. Twice before I've engaged with you, and you deleted the entire thread and my comments and other people's comments, who demonstrated that you were wrong. And instead of owning you were wrong, you deleted your comments, and so I'm not going to engage. And then he went, and then he kind of went off. Well, that's that's your status quo. You just come out accusing people of being wrong, and you never, whatever. And then I was like, you're not, you don't engage fairly. I'm not going to engage you. That's it. And then he blasted me again. And then I got on this cohort call and I get off. Guess what? He deleted his comment. Come again. on, come on. I even called him out in the comment. You, you don't engage fairly because you delete your comments. I, I don't want to engage you. It's a waste of time. And he deleted his comments. It's the third time he's done it. But Christy, this time I took screen caps. Oh, so I have three screen caps. <laughs> Of me telling him he's going to do what he did. Oh, now, my I have to de- now I have to decide if I'm going to post them. So that's how I'm doing. Yeah. And that, yeah, that's hard. That's really hard. Because then you're right? like, what's the most loving thing to do? Where, Where is it? Like, are you, 
if posting those screenshots are in call out or right. if not doing it is in hangout. Like there's just a whole. Yeah. So here's take some discernment. Time to like, yeah. And, and to think through like, really, what does it look like to love this person? Well, well, here's what uh, many people don't know. This is Christy Penley. She's one of my dearest friends. She lives in Colorado Springs with her husband. She's a pastor and a mom. And you have 13 other things you do, I know, at any given moment, including... Uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say 13 kids, but you said 13 other things. That's good. My <laughs> husband's going to be happy you didn't say 13 kids. <laughs> right. Well, I don't know how many kids you have right now, but last time I checked... Uh, we have five. We have five. Still yes, five. Still five. Still five. Um, no, but uh, you also... I also really appreciate your wisdom, and uh, I feel like I receive... Um, you're one of you're one of the my friends in my life that I feel like I pastors me, not because you're trying, and not because I've asked you to, just because of your like godliness and wisdom. Um, so maybe can we can we double click on this? Is this interesting for you? This yeah. like what do you do with this? Yes. Okay, so this person gets mad because he's told me he's a self self ascribed alpha male, and uh. And and I I'm very critical of kind of that alpha male energy. Does that make sense? Yeah. So he so feels he, threatened by you. Yeah. He he. Well, he's told me that. Yeah. He's like, you're always so you're always bashing alpha males. And I'm not sure I'm bashing them, but I don't know. If, I, I feel like naming. I feel like there's a cultural awakening, you know, like uh, where people are saying, "Oh wait, like you might like this narcissistic tendency you have." Like actually hurts people, and I feel like the culture is kind of waking up to that, right? Yeah. That just because you throw your weight around and and get things done and make things happen, maybe there's some dead bodies, like because your weight hit them. You know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So just I don't know. I feel a I feel a potential burden. A potential. I feel a burden as a white dude in ministry to like repent of that where I see that in me and help people name that. Um. Because we're and not. I, I think you do a really good job at that, though. Like, can I just say that? You need to hear that, I think. Is okay. that you You say the truth, but you say it with kindness. And you are inviting him into a conversation. You're not attacking him. Um, but he feels, yeah. sounds like he feels threatened. And um, maybe even, if I go so far as to say, maybe convicted. Maybe there's something that the Lord is even doing in his life, Right where he doesn't even understand, but there's something that's happening inside that's causing this reaction. And, yeah. um, I'm and sure the Lord, that's the case. Yeah. The Lord wants to work there. He wants to work there in that man's life, but also I think in your life too. Yes. So here's, here's how God's been at work in my life. So I think five years ago, I would have continued to hold out Chrissy, here's what I'm noticing. I'm noticing that Jesus um, advocates for and speaks to people who are poor and women and disenfranchised people. Mm -hmm. He speaks and contends and advocates for them in a different way than he speaks to and contends and advocates for people who are rich and uh, what's the opposite of disenfranchised? Franchised? <laughs> uh, people who have power, people have status, people who are in charge. Like he, he, um, he calibrates grace and truth differently with them. 
And um, maybe maybe the most stark thing that we're preaching through the Sermon on the Mount right now, and I noticed how Jesus says, you know, you've heard it say, do not murder, but I say, if you say idiot, fool, that you have, you know, you've done the same thing. You've like, if you yeah. have hate in your heart, if you have hate in your heart, you're murdering people. Uh, but then like in Matthew 23, you know, he goes all whitewashed tombs on and yeah. hypocrites, on hypocrites, on, mm-hmm. on the leaders, right? And so he's not really holding back and he's, and so it's not, there's not a biblicist way through this of, well, you can say whitewashed tombs, but you can't say fool. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's kind of the biblicist way of maybe handling that. I, for me, and I wonder what you think about this. I think in, in the Sermon on the Mount, like he's talking to the crowds. He's talking to people from the Decapolis and beyond the Jordan and people from Galilee. These are like day laborers and peasants, you know, who have gathered in the middle of whenever to hear Jesus speak. Um, whereas in Matthew 23, he's speaking to sort of the Jerusalem elite. Right. Right. He's speaking to like he's at a pastor's conference, maybe. And and the other <laughs> time he's on the street corner, you know. And so I, I wonder, like. A, do you think that's a do you think that's an appropriate delineation or distinguish distinct uh distinction between how Jesus calibrates grace and truth and be like, what do we learn from that? What do we take from that? Is this, does this man claim to love Jesus and follow Jesus? <laughs> uh, you know, that's so complicated in 2020, isn't it? Yes. Yes. It's so complicated. I think, I think this person would be the person that shows up for his son's soccer game with God, guns, glory, uh, trucks, and beer on a shirt. Sure. You know, I, I think for this guy, that's it's all like, it's all like America, macho. Anything that's America, macho, and Jesus, he's down for. Yeah. That's the sense I get. What I hear you, what I hear you kind of asking is, hey, I see Jesus interacting two different ways, right, in scripture, and how mm-hmm. he interacts with the oppressed and the poor and um, but then how he interacts with the religious leaders. Yeah. And I guess maybe if I, if I push back a little bit, I, I think there's gotta be more than just two ways of interacting. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, I, at least for me, for me, I want to like, okay, well here's a person who's like a religious person. I'm going to act this way because this is how Jesus, but like in reality, there's like a hundred people and in some way Jesus responds to them a hundred unique ways because he loves them where they are and they're not going to be all at the same place. Um, And so maybe I just push back a little bit and say, I'm not sure that there's like necessarily two different ways or two options for this, how you react with this man. Um, But I do believe, and I've heard you say it like a thousand times, like God is always active and present. And so to believe that for this man is God is active in his life. Even if like, even if the response is, yeah, I just want to like, you know, in my, I'm, this is me. I'm not saying this is how you are, but like, I would want to say a few choice words and like kind of just dig in and, and believing the, the other, the flip side of that is, okay, God, what do you want to, how can I encourage this man to love better, even a baby step, even a baby step. And I, I, I'm yeah. not saying, I'm not saying that like, you know, tell like putting those pictures up would, would be wrong. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying to dig yeah. in a little bit into maybe your own heart of what is that? What am I trying to get? What am I accomplishing 
What am I trying to do? Yeah, yeah. So here's what, here's the story I tell myself, Christy. This is turning into you helping me work the, the discipleship <laughs> wheel, and I appreciate that. Um, uh, no, I I tell myself like I don't feel like I have a really good handle on, and we've talked about this before. I think I don't feel like I have a really good handle on. When does love say no to abuse? Yeah. When does love say no to bullying? How does love draw a boundary? Like to lay down your life for somebody, does that mean you let them walk all over you? And and what does that look like? Or other people, right? So here's one of the things I'm noticing about my Facebook wall. This guy, let's call him Bob. I, I, Bob can let me have it all day. I don't really care. I don't need mm-hmm. Bob to like me. I'm happy to whatever. But my Facebook wall is a, I don't even know if we call it that anymore. My Facebook page is a place that a lot of people congregate. Right. Right? So for instance, to use an analogy, if my drunk neighbor is, um, is screaming obscenities in his front yard and it's just me listening to him, I'm like, dude, but if he's screaming obscenities in his front yard and my kids are out there, yeah, like then I'm like, I have a responsibility to my kids uh, to to help to to do something with and for them, absolutely. And this guy throws around bully energy, and I guess the question I have is, what's my responsibility to women and and black and brown brothers and sisters that are completely triggered by this guy? Yeah, I mean he he his his misogynist and racist speech is not even carefully veiled. Yeah. It's like blatant. Yeah. And I think as parents, as, as adults, maybe even, uh, there's something that in us that's like, I'm going to, this is not okay. And I'm going to stop this. Um, let me tell you just a quick story that kind of goes along with this. Um, so we, you know, it's obviously COVID and so not everything is how it used to be. And so, uh, for our church, we do these boxes every month where like every month people register for a special box and they get it delivered to their front porch and they somehow interact. So we had this thing called baking in a box and in their box, they got like pie shells and an apron and a recipe card and then a link to a zoom call. And then their families were going to bake the pie and (laughs) as like a, like on the zoom call. And then when it was baking, they were going to have family time and then eat it. So I was pretending like I was this like great baker, you know, like, I don't know, on the the Zoom call, like it looked ridiculous. And my kids were laughing because I'm really not a good baker. Well, anyway, so we're on this call and there's, you know, 25 kids. It's mostly for kids, but parents are like helping their kids. Yeah. And um, we're on this call about halfway through. um, This guy comes on to the Zoom call who has a very similar name. No picture on his Zoom call thing. It's a very similar name to a guy at our church. I hmm. thought it was him. So I address him like, Hey, so-and-so whatever. Well, within a couple minutes, he takes over my zoom call and puts pornography on oh it. There's like oh a video God. and I'm like yelling to them. I'm like, close your eyes, close your eyes. And I'm like trying to like, I didn't have control over the zoom call anymore. Somehow he had hacked in and I was like trying to like, and finally I was like, shut it down, shut it down. So all the kids like click out the whole zoom call ends. I'm crying. I'm like, Oh my goodness, here I am this family pastor and pornography. I like these kids just saw some for some of them the first time they ever saw it. I'm feeling devastated. 
So I'm dealing with it as an employee, as like a a family pastor and calling all of these families. I called the police. We had like a pin number, We whatever. But then I like, when I finished that, I turned around. My own kids are standing there that I realized some of them for the first time just saw pornography. And, um, and so I'm like, I need to parent. Right. So I, I'm like, come on in the living room, guys. Paul's out of town and I gather them all up. We talk about what they just saw. And I say, you know, can I think we should pray. I want to pray for your minds to like forget what you just saw and pray that, you know, I'm asking the Lord to help somehow in this situation that just feels pretty devastating to me. And my oldest son looked at me, oh, I'm going to cry telling you this. And he goes, mommy, I want to pray for the man who posted that. And I was like, what do you want to pray for him for? Because in my mind, I'm like, I want him to go to jail. I want yeah. him to like, I mean, I did not have any loving thoughts at all towards this man and kind of still don't like, just like, no, you need to have judgment for what just happened. Mm -hmm. And yet Soren was like, I think he needs Jesus. And I want to pray that his heart turns to Jesus. Mm. And I'm telling you, Matt, there was something in me that like, that needed to hear that. And that was like, yeah, that's what we need. I I wanted to give the man a piece of my mind, and yet really the most the thing that he needed most was Jesus. And and I'm not I'm not saying that he didn't need to hear truth of like that is wrong, but there was there was a challenge in there from my 13 year old who opened my eyes to what does it look like to to care about the person's soul? You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I share that story. Maybe there's a connection. Maybe there's not. Um, But I just wonder, what does it look like to speak truth to this man who is bullying, who is not being kind, who is not modeling uh, Jesus to on your Facebook wall? But where does Jesus need to go into those crevices of his heart that seem dark, that seem hopeless, that seem... Because that's how I felt about the guy who posted pornography. It's hopeless. There's no, like, hope for this guy. And yet, there is. There is with Jesus. There is hope. This podcast is brought to you by Gravity Leadership Academy, our 10-month online training intensive for Christian leaders who want to root their life and leadership in God's love and bring lasting transformation to their culture. In Gravity Leadership Academy, you'll learn the real-life practicalities of how to notice God's presence and activity in and around you so you can participate more fully in God's life and mission and open up space for those around you to do so too. We've worked really hard to make this training in missional leadership practical and doable. To find out more about Gravity Leadership Academy, visit gravityleadership.com slash academy. That's beautiful. You know know what strikes me about that story that I think makes it beautiful? Is that it was Soren's idea to pray for him, not yours. Yeah. Yes. Because, you know, if if Soren is is like devastated and angry, watched his mom call people for 90 minutes, is feeling confused, and then mom turns to kids and says, okay, now let's pray for the man who did this. Like that man just becomes another person in front of Soren. 
mm-hmm. you know? But, but like the fact, so I guess I'm just saying like, it strikes me that this is a beautiful story because it was Soren who, you cared for Soren and Soren who, the one who was uh, maybe the the most vulnerable here. Right. Like you're vulnerable too to that. And I would be too, but like Soren's way more vulnerable. Right. Um, but the vulnerable person decided to show costly love to the one who was the perpetrator, right? Yeah. Not, and, and I think that's, there's something beautiful because it was Soren. Mm-hmm. Well, and even that term costly love, ooh, that's challenging to me. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't want to do costly love. If I'm real honest, I want to do cheap love. I want to do cheap love and get noticed for it. Like that's the sin in my own heart, right? Yeah. Of uh, no, that's not what that's not what we're called to. And yeah. so, what does it look like? What does it look like today um, to love people with that kind of costly love? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like uh, with with this guy Bob, and with this person, uh, Mister Mister Zoom Dork. And um, <laughs> I almost said idiot, but you know you can't say Raka, uh, fool. Uh, and with um, you know other things like one, I don't like it. This is the case. Okay, I'm gonna one more Bible story. So uh, in Luke 15, it says like the the Pharisees and tax collector, um, the Pharisees and legal experts were mm-hmm. grumbling because Jesus ate and drank with sinners. So Jesus tells them a story about a lost sheep and a lost coin and a lost son. Um, and then it tells us that like they're angry about it. Yeah. So like what I what I notice is that for people who have decided to despise the work of God, sometimes the best thing Jesus can do for them is make them angry. Mm-hmm. Hmm. it's not that Jesus is bad. He's not bad at like bringing, like helping people see their own stuff. I mean, let's just, let's just gamble on the statement that he's probably the best person who ever lived doing that. Yeah. And if the best person who ever lived when met with resistance or opposition to something good and beautiful and true and his effort to help them, let's just say that that was an effort to help them. Like you are the older brother. What are you going to do? Don't be this guy. Mm-hmm. You know, don't be that guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nobody likes that guy. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, if if the best he can do is take their grumbling to anger, like maybe mm-hmm. I have too great of a, maybe I've taken on too much responsibility, or I have too great of a of a um, sense of my own power about what I can do for this Bob guy. Mm. Now, I'm, I don't want to say I know that he's a tax collector and a sinner. I don't know. I mean, uh, I'm sorry. He's a Pharisee or legal expert. I don't want to say, I don't want to put him in that category. I don't know his heart. I don't know. Right. Um, but I do know, like, I do know, I feel like I've given him every opportunity to learn and grow that I can. And he just says no. So I, I guess I'm wondering a couple things. One, do I block him? Like, you know, 
I just yeah. say, uh, you know, because uh, your actions have repercussion. Like, you can't keep treating me like this. Right. Part of that's like, right. I don't want to, you're just being a jerk, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you show up on my Zoom calls and you show porn all the time. Like, how many Zoom calls am I going to let you in? You know what I mean? Like, right. Zero. <laughs> you are not allowed in. <laughs> um, but then also, too, uh, aren't there people, Christy, who get treated like that every day? and are guilted or shamed into thinking, I have to take it for the Lord. And really what they need to say is, no, you can't treat me like that. I have dignity and worth as an image bearer, and this is not okay you do this. Yeah. Yeah. And I just don't know that, I don't know how to, you know, to do one, it's hard to do the other. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and there needs to be a place where we, where we, stand up and say truth and don't allow people like, for example, uh, you know, we, we adopted two kids, you know, this, um, in fact, you were at the party, you were here anyway. Um, so my two adopted kids are, uh, Latino and my youngest son came home from school and he said, mama, what's a Mexican? Hmm. And I said, well, you you are because your dad your biological dad is mexican except for that i realized as i continued to talk to him that wasn't what he was asking mm-hmm. he was asking that because some other little kid at his school derogatorily called him a mexican mm-hmm. in like a non loving way um and you better believe that i got on the horn called his teacher, called the principal being like, Oh no, this is not happening. Like my kids that like, I'm so proud of who he is and where he's from and all this kind of stuff. Like I don't want him, but there, there was a, there was a way of me loving my kid and being like, Hey, if somebody ever says something like that again, these are the things that you can do. And this isn't mean, this is like bringing some accountability to when a kid says something that's inappropriate. And I'm like, if I'm going to do that with a third grader, I certainly want to do that with Bob, the Facebook man, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like if it's just Bob sitting around a group of white people, I'm probably, I probably don't block Bob or I maybe can't block Bob, but like, um, like if that kid that called your son Mexican in a derogatory way and you saw him doing it, you saw him doing it like on the playground when you came to pick your son up. There probably isn't phone calls because the kid's doing it with another group of kids. And maybe you're like trying to savvy, you know, savvy mom kind of like, hey, has this kid ever talked to you? And do you play with him? You know, just asking your kid those questions. But it's different when someone you love is impacted by somebody else's uh, cotton-headed ninny muggins. Exactly. Yeah. And that is happening, unfortunately, on your wall. There are feel, people yeah, who saw like what he said that, and then that messes with these other people who are really trying to like love courageously and love, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. that yeah. is difficult. Yes. And the other thing about this too, Christy, I don't know if you can relate to this, but I've had this Kairos in the last several years that uh, oftentimes I don't speak up about things like misogyny, like guys acting um, abusively. Or even um, um, misogynistically, or uh, racist things that people say. 
because I don't want to offend white people. Mm. I don't want to like, like the worst thing you can do one white person to another is call that person racist or insinuate that they don't have, that they, you know, that they said something that's hurtful. I just people, people lose their heads over that. Um, but I've realized like I often don't speak up for my Mexican son because I'm worried about what the white people at school will think mm-hmm. about me. Yeah. <laughs> Which is awful. Like if I put it in your situation, oh, that'd be awful as a parent. I kind of want to, I want to be that mom or that dad. Well, your son is being impacted. Like, right. Right. And so even though these people aren't my children, I feel like my proclivity is to try to manage white anger by not offending people. But by doing that, I signal and communicate to uh, marginalized or vulnerable people that your abuse doesn't matter to me. That is really good self-awareness. Like, I feel like even in this, like yeah. you're, you're naming, I think what I felt and what probably many listeners who are going to listen to this have felt. And there's yeah. something there. There's something we have to dig into and say, okay, no, this isn't going to define me anymore. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to live under the fear of that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when I say it's, uh, okay, I am aware of it, but I'm aware of it because I've done it so much mm-hmm. and some people have loved me enough to bring it to my attention. And I've also seen other people do it and it being brought to their attention. And I've been, I've gone, oh, you know, crap, I do the same thing. Yeah. Like this, this shows up here and here and here and here. So I would just say the only reason I know I'm aware of it is because I've done it and I've failed so much. Like, but in our relation, I mean, like, uh, I, a lady named Del Reese is a, my mentor. She's a 75 year old uh, black woman hmm. and she meets with me. And when the George Floyd happened, she looked me in the eye and said, the way that you respond is that you admit that you're a racist, Christy. And, and I mean, when she said that to me, I was at first, I was like, come on, Del Reese. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know me. Like, and yet I went home that day, Matt, bald. Where are the places in my heart that I am racist? And there were far, far too many. And so yeah. when we have somebody who is loving enough to point that out and then for us to say, all right, all right, like I, I need to be aware of that. And then I need, like, I want my actions and my reactions to be transformed. Um, and, and for me not to, for that, not to speak of who I am, you know, for the, for those crevices to be healed and to be made whole and for me to stand up for my son or for, the person that I know is being oppressed and um, yeah. it's powerful. It's hard, but it's powerful. Everybody needs a black woman in their life. Like Del Reese. Yeah. Yeah. I am. I'm a blessed person. to have. <laughs> I can say that now, but at that moment I was like, Whoa, but that's what I mean. Like you, there's probably some, there's probably no, not many people you trust more than her and you've right. benefited more from her. And even that person telling you you're racist, right? There's something that comes online, Christy, and you're oh, like, yeah. not me. Mm-hmm. Are, you think I need a doctor too? Mm-hmm. You think I'm sick? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? And 
so like ima- just imagine though like so christy like i know you've done some work around racism i know you're trying to be conscious and aware of it uh so it's not like you're um like blissfully ignorant of what's going on in our culture you have to navigate some complicated racial things with your children uh and so you see it how it impacts them uh, obviously being a white person that has persons of color as kids doesn't uh, exempt you from racism, right? We know that, but like, it's not like you're kind of racially, like just naive. Um, but, but this, but this woman saying that to you, like still sets something off that I think is in me too. It's in all of us. And it's the thing that I'm aware of when I get to actually tell another white person, you don't get to do that here. And that is hurtful towards black and brown and indigenous people of color or women. And uh, I'm telling you, no, like just no, you know what I'm saying? Um, I feel like what gives me, so I'm concerned. Here's my, I'm submitting this to you. I'm concerned that my hesitancy in posting these screenshots has more to do with that way you reacted to, is it Del Reese? Del Reese, yeah. The way you acted at Del Reese has more to do with that than it does with wisdom or love. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm a little I'm concerned that it's like and it's not the same situation at all. But that same dynamic that you f- saw come online in you, I know lives in me. And I uh, I need I feel like we need each other to navigate this stuff, right? It's so right. hard to know what what's what's motivating me here? What am I what do I want? Right? <laughs> and I think I think time is your friend in that. I mean, the hard thing is, right, you want to know, it happened today, this morning, yeah. you want to know, th- this afternoon, do I get to post those pictures and say something? <laughs> and the reality is, maybe in 10 days. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I mean. Totally, maybe. That might be it. Um, you might be right. Chrissy, we, we uh, started out this conversation, you asked me how I was. And this is just the stuff I'm thinking about. I'm so glad you answered honestly. Then then you shared that uh, powerful story about uh, your son and also about Del Reese. I feel like what our conversation has been about, and it's actually a series that we're doing on our regular podcast right now. It's it's uh, it's about um it's about power. And what does it look like to use our agency and our power? Um, for the sake of others, yeah, right, and not for the sake of ourselves. Yeah. Um, I wonder, as you think about all the ways you hold power as a mom, as a pastor, I mean, you share that story about <laughs> where Zoom, those two worlds collided. Like, what what are some of the things you're? I don't know. Maybe just speak for a bit about what you're learning about the power you hold and how to use that or how to embody that for the sake of others? It's a good question. You know, the first thing that comes to mind, honestly, is that I think I'm learning that I have more power than I thought I did. I, I think I believe the lies, even like what you're saying. I think I believe the lies, maybe that I, because I'm a woman, because I'm a woman pastor, um, I don't know, that I, that, uh, I was less than honestly, like I, I, I grew up in a, 
of, yeah, I just grew up in a, in a situation where like maybe that wasn't honored, that wasn't um, held up as equal. And so it's taken me, what, 43 years to believe that the same Holy Spirit that lives inside of me lives inside of a man. Um, and and to to say, okay, God, what do you want to do? Like, I want to I want to be free for you to flow through me and for there to really be like um, openness for that rather than, you know, almost like the little kid song hiding it under a bushel type mentality of. Right. Uh, and so I think honestly in this, in this time and there, and there's been a journey for sure in my life. Um, but believing that, believing that I am, I am loved and, and, and God, I think, really does want to use me and um, and to be open to that. So I don't yeah. know if that really answers your question, but I feel like that is where I'm seeing in, in my own personal life is where I'm seeing. That. I mean, I preach and I am a pastor and I, I do these things. But personally, I've really had to grow into that um, and believing that. Yeah. Yeah. Because the message then culturally um, or even religiously for women is that there's a derivative or a <laughs> like a, a separate sphere of power that you have that doesn't actually, the power that's available to you doesn't actually exist for you to do the things that you're called to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. T- totally. Ugh. So, so then maybe what are some of the ways you're learning to believe that? Like, what are some of the arenas God's giving you right now to experiment with? If, if I have the same Holy Spirit as all these dudes, like how do I step into that or trust that? What are some of the ways that you're being called to do that? Yeah. Um, well, I think the, the first thing that comes, the, the first thing that came to my mind when you said that is um, I recently, there's a, a big hotel that is in our city and they have a, it's called the Broadmoor hotel and yeah. they have like a, a chapel that's called the Pauline chapel. It's like connected to the hotel and hotel guests. And some people from the community go there on Sunday morning as their church. There's probably a hundred people that go there. Anyway, I got a phone call and um, they asked if I would come and preach there. And I was like, Oh yeah. No, and like, yeah, what are the dates? We kind of talked about the dates. Then I realized that they were asking me that and that I was the very first woman that's ever preached at this Pauline Chapel. And um, I was nervous. I was like, oh, this better be the best sermon I ever give. (laughs) And, And yet the Lord was like, nope, like this is the, like, you don't have to worry about best or like grandest illustration or whatever. You just come, you just be faithful. You just be you. This is how I've gifted you. This is how I've wired you. This is where, this is the place I'm putting you right now. And so I got to go and I got to be the first woman preacher at this chapel. And I mean, I'm telling you now, I guess all your listeners are hearing that, but like nobody knew, nobody necessarily knew that, but there was something in me that I felt like the Lord gave it as a little gift of like, Hey, I just want to give you this as a little gift and say, keep going, keep fighting, keep loving, keep preaching, keep, you know, like, and yeah. and don't believe the lie that because you're a female that you're less than, and um, I'm going to keep yeah. giving you opportunities. And so 
I think sitting in that, trusting the Lord for that and being open handed. Okay, God, you know, uh, what do you even like the one of the ways that we know each other, Matt, is through a church in Chicago. And I remember they had this thing called the College of Preachers. Right. And it was like where they they brought in people from the congregation four people. And they would mentor them for like nine months. And then in the summertime, we got to preach for three times. And when I was asked to be a part of that, I was the first girl to be a part of that. And yes. and I, so I feel like there are moments, I mean, that was like a w- long time ago, but those types of things happen in my life, almost as little nuggets of the Lord continues to say, here you go, here's another opportunity, take it. Mm. Um, and so it's it's exciting, it's fun. Like, I feel like, Journeying with Jesus is an adventure. Like it doesn't, it doesn't have to be like, I don't know. Anyway, I just feel like those types of lessons continue to happen in my life. Yeah. So Chrissy, I know you experience fear and I know you experience doubt, but one of the things that I take, one of the, one of the characteristics about our friendship and about you that I take great um, courage from is your tenacity and your um, like dogged perseverance to not let fear win and to step into things like, oh yeah, I've only been at this church for eight months um, and they say they believe in women preachers, but no one's ever preached as a woman. And I guess I'll be the first woman preacher here. Or <laughs> I'm going to run over to this chapel at this, the Broadmoor Hotel is amazing, at this amazingly beautiful mountain hotel. And I'll just step into this chapel with uh, what a several hundred year history, and I'll just step in there and I'll be the first woman to preach there. Um, what where does that come from? Like, how do you? T- can you let us in a little bit on that? Like, what is your relationship to fear like, and how does how do you create space in there for faith to have room? Wow, I don't know. Because there's, there's so many of us, there's so many of us who feel that same fear, like, oh gosh, there's no way I can do that. Or they asked me to do this and now I'm I'm doom scrolling in my mind through all the things that could go wrong, right? Or who am I? I'm just this person, I'm just this, I'm just this mom or I'm just this dad and I there's no way I could do that. And it sounds like what you said, like you're learning, like I have power, it's the same power available to men and it enables me to do these things. Like I guess what I'm I guess what I'm noticing is Christy, I don't know there's any way to learn this stuff other than by trusting it. Yeah. Yeah, and like I, I mean, I said I don't know because I feel like my initial answer sounds so churchy. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to sound that way. Um but I do think that there's something like I think I love Jesus. I love Jesus. And if somehow, like, me not bowing to fear, it just sounds, it's the Holy Spirit that does this. But if somehow me not bowing to fear makes him look good, I want that. I want that. And I know that that sounds so churchy. And please, if you're listening, don't just (laughs) ignore that. But, like, right? I just, I, that's what, that's my greatest desire in, in. And I would rather look like an idiot um, and, and follow and, and obey than miss out on an opportunity that maybe he's giving me. 
Yeah, I think what you're saying is really important, Christy, and maybe we'll close with this. I think that your, you know, God getting the glory or it's all for the glory of God, it becomes this trope, this trite phrase, right? That's sort of associated with like, like um, C-list Christian music. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but what, yeah. but, uh, but what you're saying is actually, if the focus is on Christy and building her platform and renown and reputation and fame, like then the fear, then it's either fear or pride. Like those yeah. are the only two options. Um, but I hear what you're saying is like the way to walk faithfully through fear is to actually keep, keep the focus on someone else. Yeah. Like in terms of who I'm representing uh, not not to be not to be self-shaming or self-effacing, but to simply notice that this this really I'm freed from this having to be about me because mm-hmm. it's about Jesus. Absolutely. Yeah, and that lessens or maybe that emboldens your courage in the face of fear. That's right. That's right. Well, I'm going to receive that as a word for my Facebook quandary too. Um, I I don't know what I'll do with that. And, uh, you better believe I'll be watching. I'll be watching not just today, but like in 10 days, if you post that, I'll be watching and I'll, and I'll, and I'll text you being like, love you, man, regardless of what you do. (laughs) There it is. Uh, Christy, I really appreciate you. Um, Christy, you'll know, you'll, you'll recognize her voice. She's going to begin co-hosting some podcasts with us in 2021 at gravity. Um, and so excited for that, Christy. I'm too. It's going to be great. So fun. Yeah, it is fun. And it gives us a chance to hang out and talk to fascinating people together, which, you know, that's right. That's great. All right. Well, bless you. Bless your family. Thanks for hanging today. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the gravity leadership podcast. Our show is produced by Ben Sternke, Matt Tebby, and Ben Hardman. Aaron Sternke does our mixing and mastering. You can check out his work at aaronsternke.com. If you find our podcast helpful, share it with your friends in person and on social media. And don't forget to rate and review us online as well as subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can join our Gravity community for free at gravityleadership.com join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com join. And hey, we'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, make a comment, send us an idea, a recommendation, recipe, whatever. You can email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. Catch you next time. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 